Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. I'm Travis. As always, I am joined by Kyle. Kyle, sit. Kyle? 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 Kyle! Huh. Well, it would appear that it's just me today. It's, it's just your friendly neighborhood, Travis. Yes, folks, Kyle is bogged down by work and life and will be unable to podcast this week. So it's just going to be me. And you know what? It's fitting. It's fitting because the only thing we could talk about today is a bye week, right? Last week, we had no Bears game. The NFL moved on somehow without the Chicago Bears playing football. Uh, and we are now officially heading into the home stretch. We've got five games left. It's going to be an interesting stretch of games, uh, and it all starts very much this week. We've got a home date with Detroit, a team that we should have beat. Um, you know, a team that whose collapse we thought might actually uh, bring about the firing of Matt Eberflus. Didn't end up happening. He managed to save his job that next week uh, in Minnesota um, with one of the ugliest wins I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that's saying something as an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, not going to talk too much about the Bears this week because, again, they didn't do much last week. Um, but it, it really does all start this weekend. If the Bears can pull off a win here against Detroit, if they can have that first win in the division for Eberflus against the Vikings, and then they beat these Lions at home, a 9-3 and three football team, um, you know, it feels like having these easy games at the Browns, home against the Cardinals, home against the Atlanta Falcons, um, and then wrapping everything up with that game at Lambeau Field against Green Bay. Um, they could really get on a roll here. But like we said last week, um, where we mostly talked about existential dread, um, the Bears getting to 8-8 eight and eight, uh, at this point and then having a shot to get to 9-8 and eight and maybe even get into the playoffs in a weak NFC. I feel like we say that every single year. Um, that's all conjecture, and really it's all going to come down to this first game here of these last five against Detroit. Um, but yeah, uh, most of what I wanted to talk about, what we wanted to talk about, uh, but with Kyle out, it's just going to be me. Uh, last week we kind of teased it, but we want to talk about the Panthers, um, and what what a time to talk about Carolina. We're recording this here Friday, December 8th. And that is one day after Thursday, December 7th, where Mitch Trubisky, Chicago legend, goes out and flops as hard as he possibly can, blows it against the terrible New England Patriots team. And folks, we are almost locked in to the first overall pick in the NFL draft. We, The Carolina Panthers are now at 1-11. They wrap up the season here. At New Orleans, home Falcons, home Packers, at Jacksonville, and then home against the Bucks. Their best shot at another win, it would seem, is that home against Tampa uh, to wrap up the year. But even getting that win, they're still going to be getting that first overall pick if they lose the other four. Even if they win that game, and let's say the next easiest game on their schedule, the only other winnable game it looks like, home against Atlanta, let's say that they win that game. They're still only going to have three wins. That puts them in a three-way tie with Arizona uh, and New England. Uh, but as the numbers go out, they've already, um, it would seem, kind, kind of clinched uh, the tiebreaker with the Patriots and with the Cardinals. Um, so the, the Panthers have a, a virtual three-game lead 
for that first overall pick, which they are not going to get. Uh, and that's great news for the Bears. The Bears can already sort of start planning um, what they're going to do with that first overall pick. A lot is going to be made. A lot of hay is going to be made over these last five games about Justin Fields trying to save his job, Eberflus trying to save his job. Um, Kyle and I, over the last few weeks, over the last month, have, have sort of made our opinions clear on this, um, that we think Justin is uh, no longer auditioning. He's no longer in the running for this role next year, especially if we get that first overall pick that has to go towards Drake May. It has to go towards Caleb Williams. It has to go towards one of these guys, right? Uh, And, you know, talked about this over the last few weeks. Um, I mentioned it briefly, but uh, it's, it's sort of the Monty Hall problem, you know, like the bears don't often get the first overall pick to get it on their own last year. And then to fall into it this year by trading last year's, getting Darnell Wright, who's been fantastic, um, getting more draft capital. We're going to, not only are we going to have the first overall pick this year from the Panthers, we're going to have a very high second round pick from the Panthers the year after in 2025. Um, Probably that move has, you know, solidified Ryan Pohl's job, right? Very hard to fire a guy who pulled off a trade, which is, I think, going to go down as very similar uh, in value to the Herschel Walker trade, just a trade that you're going to look back on in retrospect and say, the Panthers gave up what for Bryce Young? They did what to get this guy? Um, And it's looking worse by the day because CJ Stroud is right there behind him. All of that um, I'm definitely going to get to today. Uh, But yeah, I mean, um, just to to focus in on the picks that the Bears have in this draft, um, you know, it, it really... Last year at this time, as Bears fans, we were kind of hoping the Bears would lose, right? Like, I mean, even the diehard Bears fans who really want to see those wins, and I know some of you listen to this podcast, and I totally understand that. You want to go out on a Sunday, and you just want your damn team to win. You want them to play competitive football. You want to see a good game. Um, You you don't even necessarily need the hope. God, you just want to see a W, right? But even those guys last year, it, it felt a lot like, you know, we really just need to lose. We need to get as high a pick as we possibly can because this team just isn't going anywhere right now. Um, the team this year, it does feel like it's going somewhere, right? And, you know, regardless of my opinions on Matt Eberflus um, and what we should or should not do with him after the year, uh, this team has improved in the middle of the season. We've blown a couple of big games. The Broncos game stings. This last Lions game really stings. You know, a game... Um, especially this one against Detroit, where it felt like everything came together. The offense looked great. The defense looked great against a very good team, against a, a Super Bowl contending team, or at the very least an NFC championship contending team, a team that's going to be there in the final eight for sure. Um, and just to, such a, a deflating loss, but it was deflating because of how good the Bears looked in that game. Um, and we are coming down the home stretch here against you know, a bunch of teams who quite simply haven't looked as good as the Bears did against Detroit and uh, as good defensively as they did against Minnesota. The Cardinals and the Browns are in an absolute state right now. Um, Just no two ways about it. The Bears are just a better team than those two right now. And uh, Cole Komet was talking here in the bye week, uh, just like, hey, he saw the same thing we did last week. Like the the path to a nine and eight season isn't that difficult uh, when you look at 
how the Bears perform against Detroit, how they performed against Minnesota. Um, and these aren't teams that are going to come out here and hurt Justin uh, in the way that Minnesota did, right? Minnesota goes out there and they blitz on every other play. Almost 50% of their plays, they send an extra rusher. And that's been Justin's Achilles heel. That's why we saw that game plan against Minnesota, which was just short pass after short pass after short pass, you know, quick throws, really not Justin's game. Um, and it, it kind of ground everything down to a slog. Uh, but we did end up working out that win. Uh you know, the Browns are absolutely going to have pressure coming our way, but we've seen that the Bears offensive line with Darnell Wright uh, and Tevin Jenkins on the right side with Braxton Jones on the left side uh, and Nate Davis. And then uh, with with either Lucas Patrick or Sweeney uh, down there at center, uh, it's been a solid offensive line. We saw them absolutely uh, stymie the Detroit Lions, another team with an incredible defensive line. Uh, and the Browns, they do bliss, but they certainly don't bliss to the level that the Vikings do um, because they can usually generate pressure with that incredible front four that they've got. Um, but really, it's going to be it's going to be on the other side of the ball. How, how does Cleveland score? You know, they haven't shown the last few weeks that they have that capability. So it does feel like the Bears can get on a run here. It does feel like eight and eight going into that game with Green Bay is a possibility. Can they win that game? They've certainly shown that they can't beat Green Bay, no matter how bad they look, no matter how bad their quarterback or defense are. Um, so I'm definitely not going to predict a win against the Packers. Um, but it, there's a path there. There's a path there to contention. Um, and to bring it back around to the point uh, I was trying to make before I started talking about this, last year, you know, you, you had that specter of thinking, you know, is it really worth it to go on this run when we know the team needs help? Well, this year, it feels like we've got a lot of the pieces. And maybe we're just missing that quarterback to put us over the edge, um, depending on how you feel about Justin Fields. But we don't have to worry about our draft position this year, do we, folks? Right? We've, we've got that number one pick. That's coming from Carolina. Um, you know, we're cheering for them to lose. We aren't cheering for us to lose. The Bears fall to the middle of the draft. That's great. You know, Keon Coleman will be there as a wide receiver. Romo Dunze might be there uh, as a wide receiver. There are so many good options at receiver this year that no matter how far we fall in the first round, feels like the Bears are going to have a very, very strong uh, choice in that way. Um, and there are, there are all kinds of other positions the Bears can go after as well. It feels like at this point, corner's probably out. That's the second deepest spot in this draft. I think it's wide receiver one, corner number two. Um, we don't really need a corner. Um, and that's good because other guys are going to be taking them. Keon King's going to go out. Kool-Aid McKinstry's going to go out. Um, my boy Cooper DeGene is going to go out. Um, the Bears are going to have uh, some pretty some pretty solid choices in this draft, no matter what position we're at. So it's just nice to be watching games down the stretch, to be able to cheer for the Bears wholeheartedly and not think about draft position at all because it feels like the Panthers have locked us up this number one overall pick. It feels like we just want, we want wins, man. We want Justin to succeed. Um, we want this Bears team to come together. We want to see these young guys on defense go out there and dominate. Uh, and that's just a good feeling uh, going into the last five games of a season. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about those Panthers, man. Let's talk about that team that, just handed us the first overall pick for the second year in a row. Um, just an absolute dumpster fire out there in Carolina, right? The the owner, David Tepper, 
um, the only guy in the organization from what I've heard, from what Kyle has heard, who wanted to get Bryce Young. Everybody else, Frank Reich, um, you know, the GM, pretty there. You know how these teams are always hiring search firms to figure out oh, which quarterback's the best to get. They all said C.J. Stroud, um, which makes sense. Uh, if you want to go back, we made a lot of a lot of episodes about the draft this past year, and we talked about these quarterbacks a lot. Uh, and we, we fucking nailed it. We did great. I don't know if you folks are like me. I like to go back to these podcasts uh, when the season is done. Go back to the beginning and see what they said. Like, what did they actually think? Uh, because you know they're going to make some shit up there at the end. Like, oh, of course this happened. Um, I like to just double check them. Uh, it's just fun uh, to listen to people talking about something and to not know exactly how right or wrong they're going to be. Um, it's sort of like a horror movie. Uh, if you want to do that, we had some fantastic episodes on the draft. And one of the things we said was, you know, uh, beyond overall talent, um, where we both did like CJ Stroud better than Bryce Young, he's just a perfect fit for Frank Reich and for what Frank Reich wants to do for how he wants to run an offense. Bryce Young really wasn't, you know, uh, it was CJ Stroud all the way. He was kind of had uh, what we what we kept saying about him is he's like Jared Goff if he had you know a better arm and more talent, like a very Goff like mentality out there. He knows where all the routes are going. He's going to hit the guy on that route. He may not have this creativity uh, of a Patrick Mahomes, right? He may not have the creativity of a Josh Allen. He may not have their arm strength either. Um, but he's the kind of guy who's going to run your offense and just nail it as he goes out there, right? He's going to be able to analyze the defense, run the offense, and hit the open guy. Um, and that's what we've seen this season from C.J. Stroud, is when there's an, a guy who is open, uh, he's going to nail him. He's got 8.5 yards per attempt right now, 7.69 uh, average net yards per attempt. That is an insane number. That's a wild number right now in the NFL for anybody. That's a crazy number for a Josh Allen. That's a crazy number for a Jalen Hurts, for a Justin Herbert. And this guy's doing it on a seven and five Houston Texans team. No business being seven and five. This group, absolutely no business at all. He uh, he's doing it behind an adequate offensive line, an offensive line with two good tackles, but a melted interior. And we've seen how that can go for a quarterback uh, last year with Justin Fields, um, and a little bit at the beginning of this year. That interior crumbles. I mean, you should be in massive danger. It's just Stroud knows exactly where to go with the ball, and he's got the arm to get it there. Um, and he, he's been he's been an incredible success out there, right? The thing is, he could have been that level of success in Carolina, right? He's exactly the guy that Frank Reich would have wanted. Um, and it's not like the Texans have a wide receiver core that's that much better than Carolina's. You know, like Carolina's out here, their number one wide receiver is Adam Thielen, um, which is truly unfortunate, but... You know, who would have thought Nico Collins would have been this good before the year? Who would have thought uh, that Tank Dell would have been this good? You know, we talked a lot about Tank Dell on this podcast. Just such a tiny guy, like so small. Nobody that height has ever succeeded uh, in the NFL as a wide receiver. Like, it's, it's so rare to see a guy who's that small, um, both height-wise and weight-wise, succeed in the NFL. And he's done a fantastic job. Uh, but... Much more of the credit here goes to C.J. Stroud. Um, he is absolutely making lemonade out of lemons out there. Um, and, like, this is 
like Kyle and I, I think we liked CJ Stroud a lot. Kyle thought he was the best quarterback of the draft. And I had, I had the world's hardest time deciding between him and Anthony Richardson, you know, weighing, do I want to go with the surefire guy in CJ Stroud whose ceiling is lower? Or do you want to take a guy like Anthony Richardson who has a ceiling that's somewhere out in outer space, but who could bust? Um, and in the end, with the number one pick, I wanted to go with Anthony Richardson, but C.J. Stroud would have been a great choice as well. Um, it's just we both agreed that Bryce Young wasn't the guy. Now, why did we agree that Bryce Young wasn't the guy? Why did both of us have Bryce Young as the third quarterback out of those three? Well, man, if you want to go back and listen, we kind of nailed it. Um, this is exactly what we thought would happen with Bryce Young, especially this first year in the NFL. Neither of us thinks he's going to be as bad as he has been so far. Neither of us thinks he's going to be this bad his whole career. He's not a Zach Wilson. I do not believe that. Um, But we both looked at what he did in college. He is a guy who lacks arm strength. And I, I think he covered it up because his footwork is impeccable. He can get his feet set, get his whole body behind a throw, and then whip that ball out there. Uh, And it made it look like he had a lot more arm strength than he actually did in college. It's just that he's so fundamentally sound that he can kind of cover up for what he lacks in physical ability and raw ability. Um, But what we saw in college, especially in that LSU game um, that last year, uh, last year with Alabama, uh, is a guy who, when he doesn't have the time to get his feet set, when he's got only a little bit and he's on the run, he's got just enough room to make that throw before he gets hit. He loses everything. He loses his accuracy. He has no arm strength if he can't get his feet set. If he's on the run, he can't make those creative plays. Um, So basically, he's a guy who needs an offensive line. He needs help. Um, He needs time to get his feet set, to get the throw out. Um, And we heard a lot of people in that draft, folks. My God, the number of people who came out to say that he had that. That one of his selling points was his creativity, his ability to throw on the move. Um, like he's got all these uh, all these arm angles. Uh, he had none of that. And I, man, we are going to come upon draft season again, folks. We're going to be here for you again. And I strongly caution you to go back, look at anybody who said that about Bryce Young. Anybody who said that he was able to create, that he was able to throw on the run, that he had all these tools. I strongly advise you to ignore anything that they say this season Uh, because it it took no time at all to go over the tape here to watch this guy and see that he didn't have any of that. Uh, And the Panthers brought him into a situation where they knew he was going to be in trouble constantly, right? And one of the reasons I said, as the Panthers, if I were the Panthers, I might take Anthony Richardson is because Tony last year at Florida was used to that. He was getting chased around constantly. Like that offensive line was letting him get murdered uh, at all times. You know, he, and he barely got sacked. He was just an absolute Houdini at sack avoidance. Um, So going into this season with Carolina, he wouldn't be ruined by it, right? Like we saw maybe Justin Fields get ruined by it that first year and that second year where he's just getting chased around and hammered and, you know, you're hearing ghosts, you're seeing ghosts at all times because you just think that next hit is going to come. Bryce Young, instead, is the draft pick of David Tepper. Um, just the owner wants this guy trying to fit this square peg in the round hole because he watched one goddamn Alabama game and he thought, oh, this is pretty good. Puts him out there, and what happens? He's out here getting chased around. He's out here getting hit. He can't get his feet set. 
He's trying to make these throws, and he doesn't have it. He has never once shown the ability to make these throws on the run, to make these throws without his feet set, to make these throws outside of the pocket. And, and unfortunately, we had so many people saying that he did because they had never watched him on film. They had never watched him in college, it would appear. They just saw stats, I guess. And they decided that's something that he could do. Um, you know, the guy who could do that was Anthony Richardson. Even C.J. Stroud wasn't fantastic at that. We talked about that at length as well. C.J. Stroud in college, very laissez-faire um, in a lot of games, you know. And when he wasn't feeling it, when he wasn't feeling pushed, when he wasn't feeling like the game he was in was important, it felt like C.J. just kind of punted. You know, you'd roll outside the pocket and eh, kind of half-ass a throw, you know. Um the difference was that Georgia game at the end of the year when he really wanted it. When C.J. Stroud went super saiyan there, um, this is a guy who could demonstrate these throws on the run, you know, who could take over a game all by himself. Bryce Young never did that. Bryce Young did not do that. Bryce Young took advantage of the protection that he had. He made some great passes when he got his feet set, and that was that. But once he started to get pressured, that was it for Bryce Young, right? He would get beat by Georgia. He's getting beat by, um, being beat up by LSU. That's just the way that it went because he didn't have that capability. Um, and shame on the Panthers for bringing him into this, you know. Apparently, not the Panthers, though. Shame on David Tepper by himself because everybody else was telling him to take C.J. Stroud. Uh, and so Frank Wright gets fired after 12 games. 12 games. It was 11. 11 games, actually. Yeah, because he had one this past weekend. 11 games Frank Wright gets fired. This isn't fair to Frank Wright. I think what we saw after the Colts fired Frank Reich is that there is a large Frank Reich tree in the NFL um, of people who love and respect this guy. Uh, and he is, he is a strong coach and he was brought into a situation with a team that was going to be one of the worst in the league. I called it. I said, they're going to compete with Arizona for the first overall pick. And here they are. Um, now my expectation was Arizona wasn't going to bring Kyler Murray back and bringing Kyler Murray back. The Cardinals have eliminated themselves from this race. I can't believe they did it. I, all they had to do was trade Josh Dobbs and pretend like Kyler Murray was hurt for the rest of the year. Oh, well, uh, they're still going to probably get Marvin Harrison Jr. So good on them. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the, we knew the Panthers were going to be this bad. We knew how bad this roster was, especially giving away DJ Moore as part of this trade to the Bears, giving us a first round pick. Uh, this year, which turned the first overall pick, giving us a second round pick next year, giving us DJ Moore. They weren't going to be able to rebuild that quick to support Bryce Young, and here we go. Uh, you know, they're an absolute disaster. They, they don't really have any hope the rest of the season. And going into this offseason, like, what a mess. Who wants this job? This has to be one of the worst jobs in the NFL, right? They don't have their first-round pick here. You're going to get stuck with Bryce Young. Limited resources to fix this offensive line. You don't have a pick to get a wide receiver. One of the best wide receiver drafts that I've ever seen. Ever seen. My entire life. And you don't have a pick to grab one of them. You don't have a chance to take one of these guys. Uh, you know, you're going to have to use that first pick of the second round to attempt to, to take one of these guys. Are they going to be, who's going to be left? You know, I feel like all these guys are going to be gone in the first round. You've got five truly generational wide receivers here. All of these guys, neighbors, Coleman, uh, Harrison, Egbuka, uh, Worthy. These are Odunze. There's six. Uh, these are guys who could be number one wide receivers for any team in this league, uh, and they might all be gone 
by the time the Panthers get to pick. And who wants to sign here as a free agent? Like, what would possess you to come here? What would possess a guy like Brian Burns to sign? You know, like, why do you want to re-sign with Carolina? Such a dismal atmosphere around this organization. Um, And, you know, the Bears are going to benefit. The Bears are going to benefit, baby. Um, So, yeah, that first overall pick, it's going to the Bears. Um, And I kind of wanted to elaborate on what we had talked about. Uh, a few weeks ago, it's um, the choice the Bears have to make, right? Do you stick with Justin Fields, use that pick on Marvin Harrison Jr.? Um, has he shown you enough? You, there's definitely still a question. Even if you're a Justin Fields fan out there, um, and you do think the Bears should stick with Justin, I can understand that, right? Um, Kyle and I were talking about this the other day. You know, we were scarred by the Lovey Smith Bears. You know, we grew up during the Lovey Smith era. We got wins, we had talent, we had a strong defense, but we could never get over the edge. We saw that what you need to get over the hump is a generational talent at quarterback. That's what wins Super Bowls. So that's what we want. We want the Bears to finally get that quarterback, right, for the first time in the history of this franchise. A lot of you guys out there who are younger than us, guys who are you know twenty five, mid-20s right now, um, you've grown up. And what you've seen is the Bears constantly trying to fix that problem and failing, right? The the, the Mitch Trubisky saga uh, is fresh in your mind. Justin Fields here failing again. Like, Jay Cutler didn't fix anything. And you're thinking, like, man, can we just stop trying to fix this problem? Just stick with everything else, you know, ride out Justin Fields, get some stability, and, you know, maybe he'll be good enough, right? Uh, and I can understand that. Um, I talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, the Monty Hall problem. This doesn't fit that exactly, but you know, if you, if you don't know what the Monty Hall problem is, it's this game show, which is now hosted by Wayne Brady. So we could probably call it the Wayne Brady problem. Um, but it's called let's make a deal. The very last thing you always do on let's make a deal is you have three curtains. You pick one of them and you're hoping there's a prize behind it. One of them's got a prize. The other two, you get nothing. So you pick one. And then what Wayne Brady does, or what Monty Hall used to do, is he eliminates one of the two you didn't pick. He reveals it and says, ha, this wasn't it. This is a bad one. You don't, you know what, you didn't want to pick this. And then he gives you a choice. He says, you can either keep the one that you picked originally, or you can switch to the one remaining uh, choice that you didn't pick originally, because they've already eliminated one. The correct choice here, every time, is simply to switch. That's the correct choice because it's not actually a 50-50 choice. You originally had a 33% chance to choose the correct door. By eliminating one of them that's incorrect, all you have to do to get a 50-50 chance is switch your choice to the next room. If you don't switch, you retain that 33% chance you had originally. So by sticking with the door that you picked, you have a 33% chance to be right. By switching, you've actually got a 50% chance that you picked the correct door. Um, just a little, a weird little statistical quirk. Um, it feels like it's a 50-50 choice in the moment, right? But you've actually, because of some help from Wayne Brady or Monty Hall, you've actually got a better chance if you switch every single time. This isn't exactly like that, Right. This isn't a, a one-to-one comparison with that problem, but it's the same basis, right? The idea is switching here is a much better choice than sticking with what you've already got. We've got Justin Fields. We don't know if he's the dude, right? Most guys show that they're the dude in the third year if they are, and he simply hasn't. 
right? There's still a question. There's still a question mark there. This draft has two generational talents at quarterback, two swings on guys that could be Pat Mahomes level dudes, Justin Herbert dudes, uh, guys who are going to be at the top of the league for a decade or more. You've got to make that choice. You know, if you have this first overall pick, we aren't going to get it again. This defense is too good, folks. Our offense has too much talent. Our offensive line is gelling together. Or we have DJ Moore on a great contract. We've got Darnell Mooney, who's a totally fine uh, third wide receiver here. Uh, we can go out and pick up another one. We've got Cole Komet, who has been the fourth best tight end in the NFL this year um, per pro football focus. Like, we've got all the pieces here especially with adding Montez Sweat, right? We need one more edge rusher. We need a little bit more development from guys. We need a center. And maybe we need a quarterback. And and this team is suddenly, you know, out there winning 10, 11, 12 games a year. Um, You've got to make that choice, right? Because this is the last time we're going to have that first overall pick for a very long time. You you do not know when this is going to come around again. Like, maybe never. The Bears haven't had the first overall pick before last year um, in my entire lifetime. Uh, There's a much better chance that the Bears will simply fall to getting seven wins, eight wins, six wins. You fall just outside of that top crop of talent. And you also don't usually get the first overall pick in this draft, right? You get the first overall pick and maybe you go into the draft where Jared Goff was the best quarterback and Carson Wentz, right? You, You go out there like last year where maybe Bryce Young, you thought, was the best quarterback, right? You have to make this pick in this draft, right? I've seen people out there saying um, uh, it was CBS Sports that projected that Justin Fields would be worth a second and a third round pick from Atlanta. Uh, And thanks to them for talking about the Falcons trading for Justin Fields. I've been talking about it all year. And if it happens, guys, you'll never hear the end of it. Uh, But yeah, yeah. Like if you can get a second and a third rounder, are you kidding me for Justin Fields? And you get to draft Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, whichever one you choose, um, a potentially generational talent QB. You do that every time. You do it every single time. Use that second and third to take a wide receiver, take a center, um, and baby, you're golden. Like, you know, you're riding off into the sunset. This Bears team is generationally strong. You know, we've got a decade of good Bears teams. Um, and I know one of the primary complaints that I've seen One of the only forms of resistance to this that I've seen online has been people saying, well, you don't usually compete with a rookie quarterback, right? You're going to draft a rookie, but next year this team should compete. Like, look at all the pieces we have around them. To that I say, look at what Houston is doing. Houston, everywhere but the quarterback position right now, is worse off than the Bears. Um, And maybe pass rush, maybe. Um, But with Montez Sweat, that's absolutely a question mark. Everywhere else... The Bears are superior, right? The offensive line is much better in Chicago. Wide receiver core is better in Chicago, especially with DJ Moore there at the top of it. Our running backs are better than what Houston has. Uh, Like, you just go position by position by position. The Bears are a better team everywhere except for at the quarterback, right? And they are doing this with a rookie quarterback. With a rookie quarterback who wasn't even taken first overall. Um, Don't let that scare you off of what the Bears have to do here. Um, you know, even if the Bears end up winning seven games here, even if there's this flash here at the end of the year when we're playing these bad teams, don't let that scare you off this, folks. We've we've got to try to use this number one overall pick, this resource, which we're probably not going to have again, maybe not within our lifetimes, frankly. We have to use it. 
we have to make the choice to use it on one of these quarterbacks. And, you know, you trade Justin Fields for assets. You wish him the best wherever he goes next. Um, and we hope for better. We hope for better from this team, guys. Uh, and part of that, part of that, what I wanted to talk about, uh, which I didn't get a chance to talk about a couple weeks ago, it is, it is a matter of luck in the NFL, being the best team or being the worst team. And I don't mean it's purely luck. What I mean is getting one of these kind of obscene records, 10 and 2 or 1 and 11, right? The Eagles are 10 and 2 right now. The Panthers are 1 and 11. Luck goes into that. A lot of the teams in the NFL are actually somewhere here in the middle. Most teams, especially if you look at Pythagorean win, win loss rate, um, most teams should be winning somewhere between seven and nine games. You know, very few teams should poke out ahead of that. And even if they do, expected wins rarely goes above 11. Usually 11 is where you top out at. And usually on the bottom end, it's three. Three wins is about as low as you should ever go as an NFL franchise. This is why it's so rare for teams, even if they're the worst in the league, to lose every single game. You just, you end up winning a game. Look at the Panthers. They've got one win. What was that win? Houston Texans somehow <laughs> Carolina beat CJ Stroud, right? A seven and five Texans team with the, the better choice at quarterback of the draft somehow head to head Carolina wins. Why is Carolina better than Houston? No, of course they're not better than Houston. This is just the way it works. Sometimes you have a bad day at the office. Sometimes luck just goes out there and smacks you around and whoops, you lost to the worst team in the NFL, you know? So this is the thing. The Bears usually don't get this luck, you know? Usually the Bears end up at that five, six, seven wins when they're bad. They Something happens. They win a game that they shouldn't win. They do it every year. Um, you know, they beat the Patriots. or uh, Last year they beat the 49ers. What the hell was that? Um, and then you get a couple games against similarly mediocre teams, and whoops, you know, you're out of the running for that first overall pick. A lot has to bounce your way. Um and so for the Panthers to be doing this, to have almost solidified that first overall pick at this point in the season, holy shit, Carolina. Um, what what an absolute disaster out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of these teams, you know, and we've, you look at the Bears even. Let's talk about the Bears. Uh, they've had bad luck against the Saints. They had bad luck against Detroit. They had bad luck against Denver. Those three games flip the other way. And all of a sudden, you know, these Bears are in second place in the North. Uh, and we're looking at, ooh, we got five five games. These are winnable games. Man, the Bears could have been get, uh, going for 10 wins here, going for 11 wins here at the end of the season. It's just bad luck. Just bad bounces that sent them down here. Are the Bears truly a 4-8 and eight team? Probably not. Probably more like a 7-10 and 10 team, right? Uh, and the same thing can be said uh, for the Colts. Like, look at the Colts. Look at the Browns. 7-5, 7-5. Is that really where they belong? Like, are they really a two games above 500 team? Probably not. Probably, again, teams that are supposed to be mid, but it's those bounces. It's these, these little weird bounces. It's these close games where you end up winning in the end because the ball gets tipped and gets picked um, or a ball squirts out and gets fumbled. Someone else takes it back for a touchdown. It's these little things, right, that swing things one way or the other. Um, and the Bears have just they've just had the good grace uh, uh, to f- fall into the first overall pick last year when Lovey Smith helped us out 
And it looks like we're falling into it this year with Mitch Trubisky helping us out, helping us gift those Patriots a win, get to that third win so the Panthers can hold on to this first overall pick um, and just uh, uh, excite us all, excite us all at Chicago for whatever we're going to use that pick on, right? Whether we're going to use it on one of these two quarterbacks like I prefer or we're going to go out, we're going to grab Marvin Harrison Jr. and have one of the best wide receiver cores in the league and just solidify that. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the deal, folks. We're coming into to five games to the end of this season. Home for the Lions, at the Browns, home for the Cardinals, home for the Falcons, at the Packers. Let's have some fun out there, right? We've, we've got a hold of this first overall pick. Um, and what we do, win or lose this season, uh, these last five games isn't going to matter, isn't going to affect that. Let's go out there. Let's hope these Bears can pull something off, um, and let's hope that it doesn't save Eberflus's job if you're beat. <laughs> uh, well, that's that's basically what I had today. Um, going to be a bit of a shorter episode because Kyle's out. He'll be back next week. We'll be talking about this Lions game. Um We'll be talking about what it means for this season going forward. We'll probably talk a little bit about Jim Harbaugh because he's going to be going through the college football playoff here in a, a few weeks. Um, you know, who should the Bears be looking at a head coach if it's not Eberflus? Um, but mostly, we're going to be <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the Bears the rest of the way. We're looking for improvement from these young guys. It's been so fun these last few weeks uh, to to see the Bears improve, to see that a lot of these young guys that polls have picked have actually been been looking better, even if Justin Fields has kind of not been impressing. Um, seeing the rest of these guys built up around him and knowing we have that first overall pick, there, there's a huge sense of hope here um, for me and the Bears, um, and I hope that hits you guys too. So thanks for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week after the Bears play the Lions. See ya. Now you know I'm leaving